All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun-packed, fun-filled episode of Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. My name is Will, and what are we filling in the blank with today? We're filling in the blank with some trailer talk, a little news about the She-Hulk, which kind of makes me sad, and then we're going to talk about um, uh, a little bit of issue, information on the Cartoon Network's kind of craziness on cartoons and how it's kind of affecting what they're taking in. Uh, there'll be a little bit of Infinity Train talk in there, because I did get a chance to watch some of that, and that's a brilliant show. Uh, with me are the Rasco Bros. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going? It's me, Smider Rosco, here with my older brother. Jingles, Rosco. It's us again. We're back. Yay. Somehow. It's hot. Somehow, the Rosco Brothers hot. have returned. We got fans running again. It is hot in a lot of places, guys. Stay cool. Stay, stay as cool as you can. Uh, be careful of heat exhaustion. Be careful of different things like that. Uh, heat strokes are a real thing. Um, so be mindful of that. If you start feeling funny in any way, shape, or form when you're outside, especially, get indoors or get sitting down somewhere as quick as possible. Have some towels with some water. Soak all of it. You can get on yourself. Um, don't, don't get caught out there that heat. That heat ain't playing. So, no. And boy, for the love of everything stay hydrated stay hydrated yes. stay hydrated is important all right so the first thing of news real quick we're going to get into uh they announced kind of how the uh avatar live action avatar thing is going to be uh, oh cool we're still know. talking about that i see uh, you mean but, that the cool still in purgatory still in yeah. uh, development hell but let's talk about it yeah, it, it, it's basically... Okay, I'm going to say this shorthand. We're not going to read the article. I'm not going to spend this much time on it. Um, they're basically going to Dragon Ball Evolution this. To where they're bringing everything in the modern day. And, like, Aang and them are in school together. And all this stuff is going on. Like, Aang and Zuko are competing for some special project. Aang finds out he has special powers and his parents are encouraging him to work through. Uh, Katara is going through all this stuff and she learns she has special abilities as well. And, you know, then there's her brother and then there's Zuko. And I, look, I, I'm glad Brian Konitsko and I can't think of the other guy that was a part of it. I know there was the two creative people. Dante DiMartino. There we go. I'm glad they got out of there because obviously this is nothing are the last airbender that we watched uh, and i don't understand how it's possible that they may mess this up worse than m night Shyamalan did like oh, i can I, I, I can believe anything like that is possible oh my gosh it's it's it, it, the blueprint has already been written i don't understand why the source material is so hard to follow if you're gonna try to translate it into live action. I don't. You look, man. People won't get into a live action thing if it's not in a believable setting. You know, like the whole MCU. Right. Now, it's actually really cute to go back and watch Iron Man one again. Mm -hmm. Man, I love Iron Man. I. It's because. Uh, it is pretty realistic. Yeah. To a point. Uh, it was and meant it's just to be. What, it's just really cute to know where it started from and how Tony built his first suit and 
made it run on basically duct tape and dreams. Isn't it interesting? Like right now. Yes. Looking back uh, on Iron Man 1 and uh, remembering that uh, one of the biggest backdrops of that movie was the war on terror. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Which we're hoping now will be coming to an end soon. Yeah. Um, At least what's going on in Afghanistan at the moment. Um, We're hoping to to bring the peoples home. You know what I like? Mm. Uh, The MCU transcended that. Yeah. It didn't take long for the MCU to move outside of that and act and my favorite thing is when there's a global conflict in a piece of fiction mm-hmm. but it's its own sustained sort of global conflict and the chief example of that is civil war right and that feels like again something that could happen in the real world it is however you, you you watch iron man one and you see like Okay, this is the real Middle East. This is the war on terror that's yeah. going on. Yeah. This is Tony Stark providing weapons for the U.S. military mm-hmm. and Obadiah yeah. um, providing weapons to the right. other side. And, and the yeah. Ten Rings and the, are mm, yeah, the, the guys that are kind of the stand-ins for yep. the terror. What was initially um, Al-Qaeda mm-hmm. and... and Back at back then, yeah. so I want to make a really clear point with all of that because. But uh, really quick, I just wanted to say also, um, but nowadays we actually have like the fictional places uh, from the comics, such as like Madripoor and and other places like that that were invented for the comics, um, mm-hmm. and now we get that for the MCU as our battlegrounds instead of. Um, like the real places and real life uh, conflicts that have been going on instead. Mm. We've leaned back into like the kind of comic absurdity and less uh, towards the kind of really hard realism that the original Iron Man movie had. Mm-hmm. But your point that to you wanted to make. Point out like when we're talking about source material and you know, I, I bring up Iron Man for a reason. And that is because with the invention of um, Earth-616 and the Ultimate Universe, Mm -hmm. there was a great jumping off point, a great jumping off point of reference for Marvel to take. Because for anybody that doesn't know about comics, there is such a thing within the... the, uh, Marvel continuity that is the mainline universe and that's called Earth 616 if you're ever curious about getting into Marvel and getting into comics focus on that universe because that one has the canon stories that you're going to want to care about Mm -hmm. and then there was the ultimate universe which was a more modern take on Marvel Mm -hmm. and a lot of people noticed that in the early days of the MCU there was a lot of influence taken from the ultimate universe for mm-hmm. a good reason because it was the easiest to sort of translate into modern times right so there's that source material for you right there by the way 
I was confused because we were just throwing around Avatar. We weren't specific in saying Avatar the Last Airbender. Right. Said Avatar the Last Airbender. I specifically said it because I needed to make sure we were clear that we weren't talking about the James Cameron property named Avatar. I, I'm sorry. I must have missed it. All I heard was Avatar. I, uh, so that's on me if that's the case. If not, it's on you, Will. <laughs> what if it was on me, though? What if it was on you? What if you orchestrated this whole thing? It was me, Austin. It was me the whole time. It's you. You're the one that's perpetrating this new vision of the last airbender that I don't know why they feel like they would need to make. So, um, people, f- there's this thing that I feel like studios miss a lot of the time that I'm grateful that the MCU figured out be- like the the executives and the producers behind the MCU because the awesome thing, the reason why the MCU works as well as it does is because everyone that's on the producing side of it are fans. Mm -hmm. In fact, they they were a group of producers individually spread out all over Hollywood that individually were big fans of Marvel and then eventually they all came together and they, you know, Kevin Feige is obviously the ringleader of them. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have the MCU as it is. That's why it's so good. And you don't have that with hardly any other franchises. You see, we're you looking at you. Warner, yeah. we're looking at you. We're looking at, we're looking at all of them, Will. <laughs> and it's a pretty obvious that we don't have anybody like that on for uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Which is really, 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 really too bad because Netflix deciding that they were going to put out Avatar The Last Airbender back on their streaming service is only going to prepare people more for the inevitable pushback that they're going to get from this. Oh, yeah. Instead of probably doing what they were thinking it was like oh let's let's get them excited for some for yet another unfaithful adaptation of the source material exactly so speaking of avatar last year but gosh i just wish that would be better i really do speaking of things i wish would be better and kind of speaking also about the continuity thing marvel uh, release information on a new thing. I think it's going to start in September. Uh, where basically, yeah, Avengers 48 in September will introduce the Winter Hulk. A new identity of She-Hulk after she's been taken captive by Red Guardian and the, and the, and the Winter Guard. So Jennifer Walters, the She-Hulk, will become the Winter Hulk. A red-skinned, blonde hair, like, they keep making her more buff. And, like, uh, I guess the look bothers me. The fact that we had a red She-Hulk, because I believe we were talking about it offline like, early in the week. And we were talking about the fact that, okay, wasn't there already a red She-Hulk? Like, why are we doing red She-Hulk again for Jennifer Walters? It's like, I looked it up and come to find out, basically, they depowered Betty Ross as the red She-Hulk a while back. 
but uh, I'm just I don't like the look, man. Like I, I, you know, it, it, and, and, and I know people have said, oh, well, the reason why people love She-Hulk is because she looked like the little pretty hot woman. I was like, yeah, but she was also like six foot plus tall. She was a gargant. She was a giant, and she was beautiful. But that was part of the character too, because especially with you know with Jen Walters. Jen Walters at times didn't want to become Jennifer Walters anymore because she was like, I'm getting all this attention that I never got as Jennifer Walters as She-Hulk. That was part of the story. But now it's like they just made her this really, really super buff, non-human, non-woman looking character. And now you basically took Black Widow and you took the Winter Soldier and you mashed them up into, oh, by the way, we're just going to throw She-Hulk in there. And so, like, my big question is, when we get the She-Hulk series next year, are we going to have a She-Hulk that looks anything like that character in the, se- in the show? Or are they going to have to go back and find the old John Byrne stuff? Hmm. Or even worse, well, we are we going to end up getting this in the MCU? Because I don't want this in the MCU. Like, uh, uh, yeah. Baby steps in the MCU. I don't think we're yeah. going to see this anytime as soon or even if at all. Yeah. yeah, we don't. We we still don't know what to expect from the She-Hulk TV show because there's still like almost nothing. We gotta check released. it out first. Yeah, we first. gotta we gotta wait and see. Um, but as far as the comics go, like, um, I haven't been checking out what's been going on with the She-Hulk or Hulk or the Motor Hulk or any of the other hulks like because uh as far as the comics go i think the hulk has like some really good storylines and very interesting ideas as far as the storylines go but hulk has never been that interesting to me of a character in the comics um and so when they're making weird changes like this to the comics part of hulk or in with she hulk i'm like I don't really care because I haven't been paying attention. I'm sure our sister, if she heard about this, would be upset because she really, really likes She-Hulk as a right. character. She's a big fan and has been collecting She-Hulk comics for a while. Specifically Jennifer. Specifically, yeah. Yeah. And um, so this would probably be something that would make her upset. But for me, I'm just like... It's stupid, but I'm not even. I wasn't gonna read it even if they were making good decisions. So, it's like I, I'd rather just focus on the the heroes that I really like. And yeah. so, <laughs> um, I don't. I don't personally have the energy to be like all that upset about this decision that they're going with. I just think it's really dumb. But yeah, that's me. I, yeah, I fell for the kind of weird trap that they set whenever they did the uh, when Jennifer Wal- when Jennifer Walters when She Hulk woke up from her coma because like they right before the Civil War two, uh, Thanos basically beat the brakes off of Jennifer to the point where she was in a coma, mm-hmm. and so when she wakes up, of course, she finds out that Bruce has been shot. And Bruce is dead. Um, not knowing anything about the contingency plan that Bruce had with Hawkeye and all this other stuff. Not knowing about any of that. 
there was something that went went off in her. Like she broke down. She's like, "That was my cousin. Without him, I wouldn't have been this. Like I would have just been a normal girl as a lawyer or dead." Because if you remember the, her original storyline, she got shot by some gangster she was trying to go against as a lawyer, and she was trying to get convictions against them to take them down. So she got shot by this lawyers that like Bruce just happened to be in town. And he happened to have her blood type, so he set up a transfusion, and that's how the Savage She-Hulk stuff started. Eventually, she learned how to control it, and then she became She-Hulk. Well, when Bruce was dead, they did a short period of stuff where it was just called the Hulk, and she was basically in that mode where here's this woman who's trying to understand this psychological break that she's having. But at the same time, also trying to control this monster that's in her that's now slowly becoming more monstrous. Like, there's a point where she's in a she's in an elevator, and this guy is talking to her, and she's just like, "I don't want to talk about this." And it's like a it, it's like basically like a TMZ reporter. And so at one point, she like goes to hit the elevator. She thinks she just punches it out of anger, not realizing that she's actually punching it with the strength of the She-Hulk in that anger. Like, she looks over, like, her eyes are going green, but she's trying to hide them. And so it's like, I love that deconstruction of the character. But then since that series, they've kind of taken her through this whole thing where, oh, well, I'm no longer pretty, but I accepted my beauty and being this big buff thing. I'm like, okay, but there are plenty of buff women that look beautiful, but are still bigger and buff and can break people in half just by thinking hard. But they just keep making her just bigger and bigger and bigger. It's almost like watching... Somebody go for it's 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 just it's upsetting <laughs> when you don't have the words and yeah. you just gotta sigh it out. Yeah. Like, man, uh, my biggest my biggest uh, di- creative disagreement with all of this is that kind of it's kind of the same thing that happened with me and uh, Wolverine when I was younger because. Uh, there was a part in the late 90s, early 2000s where there was this there was this arc in the X-Men where they had to deal with the four horsemen of the of Apocalypse not the Apocalypse, Apocalypse the character mm-hmm. and the mystery character was war who is war? Why, can, why can't we stop war? war is ready to just destroy everything that the X-Men have ever tried to make and if it turns out that war was Wolverine brainwashed. Right. Now, out of context, that doesn't sound that bad. It's all like, oh, okay, that's kind of a neat twist. Mm-hmm. Like, you can live with that. But the thing that happened is that after finding that out, I went and did some research, and I found out that Wolverine has been brainwashed like eight times. Yeah, it, he has it's been kinda, affiliated. It, he has been affiliated with so many different teams and so many different bad guys, and so many different evil organizations that his allegiances can switch on a dime. It's almost as bad as, and I don't, I maybe bad's not the right word for it, but it's almost as bad as the Big Show, hmm. who <laughs> is constantly face and heel turning. And 
after finding all of that out, I was all like, that's awful. I hope I never see that ever again. And it just feels like I'm getting more of that with She-Hulk being part of the Red Room, which trained up and basically made Black Widow the way that she is. Mm-hmm. And But uh, no, she's not a new Black Widow, which I feel like would be more appropriate. She's now the Winter Hulk, which... I mean, that wasn't even the same organization. No, because uh, it's Red. She's kidnapped. But what, and another thing, too, is she's kidnapped by the Red Guardian and the White and the, and the Russian Guard, which is basically the team that gave us a talking bear. I don't know about you, but I have a personal I have a personal love for talking bears. I love same. the talking bear, but I'm like, how did they kidnap She-Hulk? I don't, let's look, I'm not even worried about that. What I'm worried about is, where else are we going to put her in? Is she also going to be a member of the X-Men? At this point, we find, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they come out later and say that the transformation to She-Hulk was a mutation that was always there. Yeah, are we going to find out that, well, I mean, we've already had Jennifer be part of the Fantastic Four once upon a time. That reminds me of the the retcon with uh, Carol Danvers and having Cree blood from the beginning. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was really really dumb. Mm. But I'm just like cool. The, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The the main problem that I ended up having with that was like. It seems like every new decision that they make with Carol Danvers is a decision to take away from Marvel, and I'm like, cool. I guess he's not important. Eventually, the, I, I don't know. The, I feel like eventually they would just want to get rid of the any part a man had in her development or and her identity. In, in her identity. People and think make, people think that taking on a name of a, of a pre-existing hero means you're taken away from your own identity Mm -hmm. people don't seem to understand the concept of honoring someone Mm -hmm. honoring especially somebody who gave their life for you right you know it's i I constantly see people like dc will still bring up ted cord and say good things about ted cord and be like man i've really missed ted and i don't know jack about ted right but they they don't take away from um, Jaime. Yeah, who's the Blue Beetle. Yeah, you know they they both they give both of those characters their time to shine. Their due respect. Their due respect. And yeah. the, anytime Jaime does something new, it doesn't take away from Ted. Mm-hmm. But it seems like everything with Carol these days is no. Forget about Marvel. Don't even think about Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like. He, he lived to die. That was all he did. <laughs> Whereas, you know, older fans will be like, well, Cap- the original Captain Marvel, Marvel, did yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I guess that's not important. He was around days. for a while before he died. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, one of the most famous, still to this day, one of the highest selling uh, trade paperbacks or uh, graphic novels that Marvel has ever released? The Death of Captain Marvel by Jim Starlin. I believe that. People still look for... I found a copy inexpensive through a guy doing a sale, and I got it, and I've read it multiple times. And just Sometimes just open it up just to look at it and go, oh my gosh, this is one of those beautiful artwork. 
Um, because, yeah, Jim Stalin did the artwork and wrote it. And you just start off with, you know, Marvel on a ship. And it's just all these crazy Avengers characters and stuff showing up at different times. But the story is primarily about Marvel and kind of him realizing he's going to die and try to live out the rest of his life to try to take out Thanos. Mm-hmm. Because he knows he doesn't take out Thanos. Thanos is going to eventually try to destroy the world. Right. That's one of the few times where, like, Thanos doesn't die, but Thanos says, I'll yield for a time. Like, he dies fighting Thanos. And Thanos is just like, fine. You fought with Vigor. You fought with this. I will let you survive. I'll, I will let your world survive no longer due to this. Mm-hmm. So. But anyway, uh, we're going to move on to something that makes us happy. Uh, trailers. Talk, we got a couple of trailers. that makes me happy. <laughs> huh? Talk about the thing that makes me happy. <laughs> so we're going to start with Suicide Squad and work our way to Shang-Chi. Okay. <laughs> so, Suicide Squad trailer dropped, the new one, the official trailer dropped. Idris Elba continues to show me why Idris Elba should be in more movies. Like, there's a scene in that trailer where it's him and um, Viola Davis as, of course, the, the wall, um, Amanda Waller. The big, the big bad Waller. Dude, the fact that in Young Justice they referred to her at one point as the wall, I I marked out hard because that was something she always referred to herself as in the comic books. Because eh. basically she looked at I think it was Batman or somebody one time and Batman was like, Why would you refer to yourself as the wall? You're nothing special. She said, Yes, except for the fact that every time you deal with me, you have to stop and think about how you're gonna deal with me. Hence I am the wall. <laughs> I am the wall. And I was she like, would that say that. How to make sense. Yeah. Amanda, Amanda, shut up. <laughs> Amanda, shut up. Gosh. <laughs> this is not a knock. This is not a knock on Viola Davis. This is a knock on Amanda Waller, the character. Yeah. Can I? But anyway, I, I, I just wanted to say. Yes. Um. I don't like Amanda Waller. I never okay. have, but I think that's because she's. A good antagonist. She's a good heel. She's a really good heel. She she's good at making me hate her. Yeah. And ever uh, yeah. since I watched in uh, Young Justice and uh, Justice League, mm-hmm. and you know, anytime that she's shown up, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> boo! She gets the heat from me. So as she, as she, she should. Gets, she should. She gets all the heat from me, and that goes doubly so when I w- with. Um, what they've done with Suicide Squad for um, the movies so far. It's just like, oh, I can't stand you. I want somebody to just take your head and just, like, smush it. Just smush her head. Just smush her <laughs> But I think that's that just means that she's a good antagonist. Mm-hmm. That, like, every time I see her, I'm just, ugh. <laughs> but go I'm ahead. just on that screen together, man. It's just this moment where... He's got he 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 I has a, a weapon or whatever. He goes to stab her in the neck. Basically, he's like, you you push the line, you cross the line, and she's sitting there. Everybody's got their guns drawn, and you could tell you could see the power in her voice. Like you can see it. It's not just here. You can see it. It's like stand down, and they're like, you know, but we just stand down. And then she's so, like, I wouldn't have put you in this situation if it wasn't for the fact that the dangerousness of this mission. So go check out the trailer. 
Yeah, go yeah. watch the trailer. Go watch the trailer. Can I have a question, Will? Yes. Sure. Because it, you, you, uh, when I posted the trailer into our group chat, um, you you left a comment. It's all like, I just want more Viola Davis and Idris Elba. Like that's all I want is more of that. <laughs> and in my mind, I was just all like. How is what we've seen different from Viola Davis and Will Smith in the first movie? Why aren't you like, uh, I need more of that. Instead. Now you get the heat. Answer our okay. questions, uh, sir. I, I got, okay, fine. I got you. <laughs> okay. So Will Smith, I love Will Smith as an actor. All right. But Idris Elba is just special as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> the range that he brings is a lot more varied. Will Smith, I kind of feel like it's gone into that world where Will Smith plays Will Smith in every role. Uh, with the exception, there are two roles I will say he's different. The first one is Concussion. And the second was the one where he plays the dad. Where... The Pursuit it, of Happiness is what The Pursuit of Happiness. I wanted and to I wanted to make I a want... joke and, and, and say it's the one where he and his son come back to Earth. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, and I believe that has to do with the fact he's character acting. Yeah, and in those moments he's not really allowed to play himself in a role. Right. He has to play someone else. Right. So I feel like when he's playing someone else, it's based on a real life situation. He has to do something different. But other than that, I mean. Most of the movies, Bad Boys, Independence Day, stuff like that. He's probably playing Will Smith. He just Elba makes you feel stuff no matter what the role is. I mean, I remember watching, I think it was, uh, there was a Netflix movie that's still on there. I think they canceled it after the first season, though. It was like him as a DJ, and he's kind of trying to take care of this little girl that a friend of hers has, and he's teaching her life lessons and things like that while all this other stuff. And I cried all that many times. Like, it was just, oh my gosh. And, but he just always brings something special to the table, no matter what role I've seen him in. And so to see him and Viola Davis in that moment, to me, just said, these are two powerhouse actors who are giving me a lot of emotion. I mean, and, and yes, she's doing what... Uh, the character does best. She manipulates situations in her favor. Um, because in the trailer, you see, you know, his daughter who, okay, so for those who don't know, uh, they wanted Will Smith to come back as Deadshot. But Will Smith's schedule got too messed up, and so he was just like, I can't come back and do it. So they were like, okay. So basically, they were like, well, what can we do? And originally, they were going to try to get Idris Elba to come in and play Deadshot. And that was a no-go because they were like, well, Idris is a different actor. You can't have him come in and play uh, play that. It's just that won't work. And so they were trying to figure out who else they could get to play. Well, that's partially the case. Yeah, go the, ahead, the, the The real thing was is that they wanted – they didn't want to write Will Smith out. They wanted it to – they wanted to – give the chance to for will to come back later if his schedule opens up for a, a later movie and so that's why they didn't give idris deadshot and they gave him bloodsport instead now bloodsport for those who don't know is a character who shot superman with a kryptonite bullet 
And, you know, when they make that reference to, you know, he put him in ICU, and people, and the internet went nuts. They're like, how does, what kind of power does he have in order to put Superman in ICU? It's like he shot him with a kryptonite bullet. Literally, the trailer says shot him with a kryptonite bullet. Well, I didn't remember if the trailer said it. I know he said he put him in ICU. I know she said he put him in ICU. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah, said yeah. shot him with a kryptonite bullet. Yeah. All right, there we go. So I, people just missed it then. But I'm just like, yeah, like the character exists in Superman comics. Like there's a whole, there's a couple of books where he's, he's the cover. As a matter of fact, in one of them, he's blowing apart the, uh, he's blowing apart the Superman deal on the, uh, on the deal. And so it's just him shooting at the Superman in book. And so, yeah, but anyway, so I, I love that trailer. I love them in it. I mean, yeah, granted, uh, John Cena had more crazy jokes um, in it, you know, this time around. And then they gave King, King Sharks, voiced by Celeste Stallone, uh, some more jokes. And there's like, Nerd. I'm really excited about that movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about that movie. I really want to see it. I mean, and I hope it's as good as I feel like it could be. It feels more in line with what I was talking about before, which is DC clowning on itself because it doesn't want to admit that stuff about it is fun or cool. Mm -hmm. But we will see because I am more than willing to accept it if the film comes out and it actually celebrates these characters instead of mocking the characters. Yeah, I would love it if it celebrates Starro instead of making fun of Starro. Which, I mean, there's obvious low-hanging fruit when it comes to Starro, and that is he just looks like a giant starfish. Yep. And when you are in the position that DC is in, all I need is just some sort of... I need a clear sense of identity. And I, well, I really want is that I want DC to love its own source material. And I hope we see that. I really do. I really hope we see that in The Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one thing I gotta, I gotta, I, I kinda hope for in that is to remember that James Gunn is James Gunn. And James I mean, Gunn? Yes. So that's one of the reasons why I kinda have hope for it. Yeah. Because unlike the last one, which was positively irrelevant. Ir- gosh, I can't believe I threw myself off. Irreverent to the source material. James Gunn, I'm already seeing little bits in the trailer that I feel like I think we're going to get some genuine heartfelt moments mm-hmm. in this film. I, I, I predict, and I'm really, I'm really feel like I'm stretching out into the ether to predict this out. I think we're going to get a great character arc out of Polka Dot Man and Ratcatcher. And I think we're going to get a very, very powerful one from Ratcatcher. And I I think think there's a a decent chance for that. What was that? I I said I think there's a decent chance for that. I think they may make me care about... I think they may make me care about Weasel a little bit more than I want to. I don't know about that. I think Weasel and King Shark are more or less going to be relegated to jokes. Mm-hmm. Until, like, if they end up dying, I don't know. It'll be right up until, like, their last moments. Um, 
But we will see, because James Gunn is great about balancing out those kinds of characters. Mm-hmm. As we've already seen in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And he's coming back for Guardians 3. Heck yeah. Yes, yes he is. Because Marvel, Marvel and Disney kind of realized when they got rid of him, they were like, nobody wants to take this on. Because even when they were like, Taika Waititi just did Ragnarok, he's funny. He can do this. And it's like, he was just like, nope. This is James Gunn's baby. I ain't touching it. Mm-hmm. And so, I was just like, crap. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know what? Bringing up James Gunn was a really good point, Will. And I thank you for reminding me of that. Because that makes me think, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it could be very good, actually. Mm-hmm. It could mm-hmm. actually really enjoy stuff like that. Because, yes, there are silly characters in all of comics. Mm-hmm. But you could still enjoy them and celebrate where they came from. Yeah. I mean, I'm not asking for Stilt Man to be this really dark and gritty psychopath. I just want you to acknowledge that Stilt Man was a thing. And have some fun. Like, it has some fun about the history of where that came from. Right. Mm-hmm. That being said, I mean, we've already alluded to Stilt Man before. In the MCU. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine. Um, so if they ever end up doing anything serious with Stiltman, that would also be very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stiltman has moments. I mean, there was a moment where the Punisher and him were in a comic together, and the Punisher basically shot him in the face until he couldn't move. So, and they were just like, wait, how did you kill Stiltman? It's like, I shot him. It's like, he has an Antimanian suit. I shot him in the face. It's like, how did you Many shoot him t- in the face? Because I'm the oh. Punisher. <laughs> oh no! Well, it should be noted that just because something is bulletproof doesn't mean that it won't prevent you from getting concussed. That is true. You can still get hurt even if you're wearing like Kevlar. Oh, dude! There are plenty of stories of soldier getting soldiers getting shot in the head while wearing a helmet. They survived, but they got their world rocked. Right. Right. We kept them alive. Yep. Yeah. Um, I want to say a few things about Bloodsport. Sure. Bloodsport. Bloodsport, as far as the comics go, is kind of a nothing character. Absolutely. Whoa. He had um, a moment. He had one moment. Uh, I like, uh, I, I remember um, somebody, uh, they were talking about uh, The Dark Knight Rises back when it first came out. I watched a video. Somebody was talking about it. And he said, uh, Bane then does the one thing that he does. And he breaks the Batman. He breaks the Batman. That's it. That's all. Like as far as um, the um, the greater narrative of DC Comics. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Like as far uh, as yeah, common people. Like mainstream. Thank knowledge. Yes. Sorry. Uh, Mainstream knowledge of Bane is that he breaks the Batman. Yeah. Not a lot of people know that Bane is also incredibly smart and cunning. And is a planner. Get about all of his other great attributes. He does. He has a lot of really great attributes. Um, a whole arc of storyline recently called City of Bane, where he literally took over Gotham by himself. Like he organized a takeover, and then people thought they were doing their own things, realizing no, he'd been manipulating it the whole time. Right, which is exactly what happened in Nightfall, also. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Bane is actually like a much deeper character than people often give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Bloodsport is known for one thing, and that's shooting Batman. And that's shooting Superman. Sorry. Oh gosh, you said, I said Batman. Batman. No, 
shooting my Superman. My nerd card's going to get revoked. With a kryptonite bullet. But then I'm all like, there's other villains that I know more about that have also shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet. Yeah. <laughs> there are Metallo did it in the comics. Yeah. I was going to say, I own a copy of when Metallo did it. And it was just like, bam. And it's like, oh, no. And Metallo's got a lot more going on for him. Yeah, Metallo's actually a character. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, um, it's just more proof that James Gunn will take kind of obscure, not well-known characters and, yeah. like, make a really, really good story with them because he's such a good character writer. Right. And that's what I'm expecting here with, um, with the Suicide Squad. Um, and I'm expecting a lot of really good things. And the trailers are really making me feel like this is actually going to be a really good movie. Yeah. I'm really excited for it. Um, but yeah, I just like, <laughs> people are just all like, he shot him with a kryptonite bullet. Wow. That's incredible. I'm like, well, yeah. a lot of people have done that. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's like saying, uh, oh man, this guy beat Batman in hand-to-hand combat? That's incredible. It's all, a, a lot of people uh, have done a that. You have done that. <laughs> even some, Yeah, even a few ladies. I mean, yeah. A f- that's why I said a few people have done that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you had to exclude ladies from a few people. Yeah, I don't know why I, you had I, to I, emphasize. I, I thought at some point you said a few people and then said a few guys. And I was coming back with, and a few ladies. Which, of course... The, <laughs> that reminds that. me of a yeah. handful of jokes that I will share with you after. Ladies are after people are too. Recording, Will. <laughs> but, and so it's just like one of those things where it's just like, oh, yeah. Um, I, I don't think, I've never thought anything of Bloodsport. But I think Bloodsport in this movie is going to be really good. And I do think that Idris Elba is going to be a big part of that. But, you know, it is an ensemble cast, so I want to... So many people are going to die. So many people are going to die. I'm really hoping that all the different characters get like a decent amount of time to have their characters uh, built on and uh, give them time to shine as I characters want, go. I want at least one minute more than we got with Slipknot. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he can climb anything. <laughs> yeah. And have bombs blown up in his head, but that's a whole other thing. I'm out of here. <laughs> Click on a button. Wasn't, Damn. Wasn't he talking with Captain Boomerang right yeah. before that happened? He was all like, yeah. let's yeah. make a break for it. Yeah, yeah Boomerang was the one that... Yeah. Because there's no way Slipknot would have been smart enough to be like, I can run away right now. Yeah. Without Captain Boomerang being like, hey, you can run away right now if you <laughs> wanted to. <laughs> There's nothing stopping you, Slipknot. <laughs> and we lost. And Slipknot's like, you're right. Yeah. And, and then we he lost, quite frankly, one of my favorite actors mm-hmm. out of the DCEU right then and there. Yep. Goodbye. Which makes me really sad because I really like that actor. Mm-hmm. But then again, that might just be because might be because I'm, I really like Smoke Signals. Smoke Signals is is quite the movie. I should probably acknowledge more things that he's done, like uh, like Wind Talkers, Co Talkers. Co- was it Co Co Talkers? I, f- I feel like it was Co Talkers. Yeah, we're gonna look it yeah, up. Yeah, we're gonna look it up. But anyway, hopefully Suicide Squad 
to the Suicide Squad, the squadding is a lot better. I hope so too, but here, and so now we're gonna go from there into the land of, uh, into the land of Shang-Chi. Well, that new official trailer yeah. drop. And we're that, jumping that from, we're jumping from Marvel, to, uh, sorry, from DC oh, to Marvel. You're right, it was Wind oh. Talkers. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the, the code for them were Code Talkers. That's right. But the movie is called Wind Talkers. Yep. That's a good movie. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, is that the one with Nicolas Cage? Yes. Okay. There are a few, so few good Nicolas Cage movies that I have to remember the ones that are great. I like to think that movies with Nicolas Cage in them are good, despite Nicolas Cage. But then again, there are some movies where I think Nicolas Cage fills the role in a good way and doesn't overstay his boundaries. Yeah. I mean, movie, the, the movies first like movie, I feel like worked really well for him in that right. it was it fit a lot of what he loves, but it wasn't too much Nicolas Cage because too much Nicolas Cage can have a bad effect on a movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the kicker, I think. And by the way, the actor's name is Adam Beach. Thank you. That is a uh, tragic underutilization of Adam Beach. Yes, Adam so. Beach. Hey. If uh, if Valorcore ever becomes a live action property, uh, we should have Adam Beach play the president. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, now that says, should we get into some Chong Chi? <laughs> I mean, do we get crazy, if you want uh, I guess we could talk about how excited we are for it. Yeah. Some Mandarin action and some Fing Fang okay. Boom. I I well all right. What I want is all three of us to pick one thing. That we are excited about for this, and uh, I'll start, and then I'll okay. pass it off to you guys. Just sure. pick one thing. Okay. Uh, I am excited for Abomination versus Wong. I'm not. I'm not all that like pumped about the idea of all like. I wonder how creative the fight could be, which I'm sure it will be. Or I'm not even all that pumped about. Um, oh, I wonder who will win. I'm not. I'm not worried about that. What I'm more pumped about is where is this gonna lead? Because are we gonna mm-hmm. have a moment to talk to Juan? To Juan? Sorry, to Wong. I got Juan in there. I don't know I where know. that came from. <laughs> Sometimes the name will just lodge itself, and yeah. then you're like, no, that's not what I want. And I was like, it's uh, and. Are we going to get a chance to talk to him? No. Or Abomination? That's Wong. That's Wong. (laughs) (laughs) And are we going to get a chance to see where they go after the fight? Is Shang-Chi going to help Wong? Is Shang-Chi going to help Abomination with something? I don't know. But uh, I'm excited to see where that's going to go. Uh, you go ahead. Possibly get a scene where Abomination helps uh, Shang-Chi somehow. Well, are you... Ex- I, I'm just going to guess, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Are you excited for Marvel's first straight-up kung fu movie? You're dang right I am. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I needed right there in my life. <laughs> like, that's it. In a nutshell, I, I'm hoping for awesome fights. 
I'm hoping for awesome martial arts, and I'm hoping to see where this leads. Like, I would love to see a uh, a, a, a fight between um, one day between Shang Chi and uh, and um, Sam, possibly as Cap. That'd be awesome. Oh, uh, okay. You know, or other fights that go on because it, it always tends to happen in comics. You know, you always have that mistaken identity situation of who are you? What are you working for? Are you working for the Ten Rings? You know, that type of thing. And then the, he's like, look, I'm trying to tell you, I, I my father was a Mandarin, but I'm not that, you know, and, that, and then you go through all that stuff. And eventually somebody figures it out and straightens it out, and then there's like, we're on the same side, type thing. So, yeah, I, I can't wait. I, I love what I've been seeing from Simi Liu so far in, um, the training they did a little mo- YouTube montage video where they did like a little quick fight training scene where it was him against like two guys. It was like, dude, I didn't think the guy from Kim's Convenience could give me this much physicality, but buddy, if this is what we're getting as a sample, or I'm hoping for some awesome fights. And, and somebody, it, it, yeah, I'm excited about that. I was gonna say I was gonna say something about the apparently people are talking about freaking Iron Fist again and saying that. You know, oh, he, this is going to be Marvel's apology for not giving us an Asian Iron Fist. I'm like, he was an Asian! <laughs> Iron Fist was always a white dude. <laughs> there, there were Asian Iron Fist, but Danny Rand was not Asian. He never was. Stop saying that. He's always a rich white dude. Mm-hmm. Stop playing with me. I so, am kung fu action. Yes, kung, sorry. Yeah, I'm, kung I'm fu ho- action. I can't wait. Yep. I'm hoping it's going to be better than Mulan. Ooh! Ooh! Tag! Tag! Where's that stuff? I'm going to kick them legs out. Got fired. <laughs> Ankles kicked in. Fuck uh, out! <laughs> Brock Lesnar level F five prone. <laughs> Jeez. Because that's a, oh that's a fair gosh. thing to be to to want. Disney yeah. has teased this before. Yeah, that's true. They were like, "Look, it's a giant martial arts epic now instead of a fun musical." Yeah, but cool. Disney is super cool about backing off. Her chi is better than other dis- cheese. What's that? Her chi is better than other cheese. They are better. You don't. You don't get it. You just don't understand. I don't understand. She has to hide her chi. Uh, I, I love the, the the lady that was, like, critiquing the movie. Yeah. And she was like, that's like saying her blood is better. <laughs> Which is not a thing. Yeah. I think we might have seen the same video yeah. where it's like she's breaking down the cultural yeah. uh, significance of Mulan and... Mm-hmm. How culturally accurate? One how, culturally accurate it is. Yeah, and she also broke down the implications. Yep, of certain lines and certain scenes. Yep. Um. Yeah, that's uh, that's not good. That's yeah. not good, there, Chief. Oh, she was talking all. about how the new movie, in in some ways, becomes more accurate, and then other ways becomes less accurate. Yeah, yeah. And it's so weird. Yeah. Um. And then she did the classic Mulan and talked about, like, they weren't trying to be accurate, but they did a few good things in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And so, 
I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Shang-Chi uh, is a movie that I, I'm not massively excited about. One, because I don't really care that much about the character. Um, and two, yeah. like, I'm, I've been burnt out for, like, from, from martial arts movies. Um, I've seen too many really bad martial arts movies to just automatically assume one is going to be good before I've seen it. Sure. Um, well, yeah, I see that. And there's, there's like five or six shining examples of really, really good martial arts movies that I don't expect any other movie to like beat out without the right like heart and dedication push behind it. I don't know if that's what this movie's getting. I'm sure because American action films have split in a really weird way mm-hmm. from like Hong Kong style action movies. Yeah. And the action has changed significantly and there's still massive mistakes that are made. Um, even in the new Daredevil show, there's there's weird mistakes, but luckily they focus mostly on was it Charlie Cox, I think, is the actor? Yeah. Charlie Cox. Yeah. And um the story and the, the character of uh Daredevil and stuff. Didn't watch Iron Fist. I'm going to eventually. Mm. Um or contractually I'm, obligated to. I'm, contractually i'm obligated to watch it at some point mm-hmm. and then watch defenders because i think those are the only two shows i haven't seen yet mm-hmm. um but um there's I, I feel like american cinema takes like one step forward two steps back sometimes when it comes to action scenes and marvel's action works for superheroes that won't exactly work for um for kung fu or martial arts based fighting that's an um, interesting thought i it, never, it, it, uh, it's, never considered that it takes a kind of a critical eye with the choreographer and the cinematographer mm-hmm. to work together in a way to make these scenes look really good yeah and which is why um which is one of the big reasons why a lot of jackie chan's uh movies especially ones that were meant for a western audience yeah like rumble in the bronx and stuff like that like um they really work well because one it was him and his personal stunt team yeah that he mm-hmm. has and they have a system worked yeah. out that makes everything look amazing yeah and the cinematography works well because you know those guys can figure out like a ten minute fight scene in a day. Yeah, on the set, they you go out to to the location and they're like they look around. They're like, what can work? And then how do we blend it together? Yeah, it's and so then, fast. And they do it because because they have a system. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, and like you think about the exception to the rule, like you look at the Matrix. You know, Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie, Carrie, uh, Carrie Moss, and all of the actors that were involved, Hugo Weaving. They were involved in the actual doing martial arts and things like that. They trained for a minimum of six months before they started filming. Like yeah. they were just like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we we know what this is the potential to do. We don't wanna, we don't wanna just mess with it. We wanna do something really great. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and so, I mean, I feel like the, at least the first Matrix movie, I'm, I'm not as big of a fan of the other two Matrix films, but they hold their own merit. But I feel like that the Matrix movie had a special place because it, and plus you had Yi Wu Ping and the choreography in it. And I mean, it's one of the biggest, baddest, you know, people who put fights together on the planet. Mm-hmm. And of course, it all, as even he said, the reason why Keanu looks so good doing his martial arts is because Keanu was willing to, he was, he was, the first one in here and the last one to leave every day. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to learn with me. And he didn't, he, he said, a lot of American actors, he said, when I come in and do movies, he said, they'll tell me what they're capable of doing, and then they'll never learn what I'm telling them. Keanu was just like, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. It should be, I, I should note that uh, Keanu Reeves is an absolute monster of a workhorse. Mm-hmm. Yes. He is a uh, he is a rare gem, and he's one of us. He's one of the guys. Mm-hmm. I think they asked Samuel L. Jackson one time when he talked about his training for uh, his training for Star Wars, and they said, you know, a lot of the other people have a little bit more of a martial arts leaning in some of their fighting style. Like if you look at say a Hayden Christensen or Ewan McGregor, it is a little bit more martial arts in their stuff. His is a lot more of a straightforward approach to mm-hmm. sword fighting. Why is that? He have more martial arts. He said, "Cause I'm too old for that." Yeah. He's not that I can't physically do it. He says, "But you understand what kind of stuff I got to go through just to get in shape enough to do that stuff." Yeah, noted. He says, I needed different things, but that's the thing about it. Good fight choreographers work with what people can do. Right. Yep. You know. So I find it quite interesting when you look at it in that regard. No, it's agreed, and I mean. You gotta work with what you can, because um, I mean, think about Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson had a background in formal fencing, yep. and so did um, Christopher Lee. Cruz, so did Christopher yeah, Lee as well. Christopher yeah. Lee. They both had a background in, in actual fencing because they've done other about films. Christopher Lee. Did you know Christopher Lee was in and trained up the original Earl Flynn, some of the original Earl Flynn, like, Monaghan movies and stuff like that? I believe that. I, I have seen some clips, video, yes. There are videos of Christopher Lee breaking down fencing. For, yeah. For you, the kind of viewing audience. I think, uh, <laughs> man, I miss him. I miss him a lot. But uh, that's just a kind of a... I, I totally get what Sam Jackson's talking about. It's a smart tactical use. Because right. Sam Jackson doesn't look it, but he's getting pretty old. Yeah. He doesn't... He hasn't, like, at least outwardly seeing... Yeah. He doesn't look like he's been aging, but he has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the point that I wanted to, to go back to, uh, I feel like The Matrix is a, is a good example of good choreography, but... Um, the cinematography could have been used more efficiently to make things like look better. Um, The the big thing that I think uh, American TV or American movies, uh, American filmography, um, uh, a thing that they have been doing too much is uh, too many short cuts and short um, oh, they love those cuts, dude. They 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 cut too much. They love those to, cuts to make um, to to really allow the martial arts to to flow and look good. Um, and it, it it takes away 
from good uh, cinematography or good choreography. Agreed. And um, I, I, I am, I'm expecting like I, I'm going to firmly believe that the choreography in Shang Chi is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if the cinematography is going to complement that as much as I would like. That's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. Um, by the way, uh, I think I mentioned to the fellows before we got together, started talking, getting recorded on this, and said that I did finally break down and watch Wonder Woman 84. And y'all talk about those cutscenes. Oh my gosh, that last fight between her and Cheetah. Mm-hmm. So many cuts for no reason. Just I've... so many. I think one of the biggest offenders right now that's still doing it is Paul W.S. Anderson. Um, and that we made fun of that in our episode where we talked about Monster Hunter. Um, yeah. But it's also just hugely egregious in the Resident Evil movies as well. That all the action scenes have like a million cuts in it. And it's it actually... Though I guess it kind of adds to the chaotic nature of hand-to-hand combat, it also makes it really difficult to follow the choreography. Um, and I've I've said before, I'm fairly certain my favorite martial arts film of all time is probably Ip Man, um, and it's a perfect uh, example of allowing the actor or and all the other stunt people to work together to um, make the choreography shine with the cinematography. And um, I honestly, especially in modern martial arts movies or movie, modern movies with hand-to-hand combat in it at all, I don't get to see that very often. And mm-hmm. um, it uh, makes it hard. One of the most impressive scenes I've ever seen, and now there's a video out there with the RZA breaking it down, uh, it's hmm. a scene in the movie The Protector, where Tony Jaw goes into like this bar, this Thai bar, and basically from the time he kicks the door open, he goes up a flight of stairs. He's fighting all these people. He jumps into different rooms. He does all this stuff, and it's one camera following him the whole entire time. There are oh, no yeah. additional cuts. It's just the that. camera following him as he's going. And I've watched that scene, I don't know how many times, and I'm sitting there going, yes, whip them all, Tony. I want to see you put it at work. It may be hard for you at moments, but this is what this is the kind of stuff I love seeing. I appreciate hearing your claps of enthusiasm as he's going through. Mm-hmm. Just... Oh, it was just beautiful. By the way, fun fact, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, as of this year, is 72. There you go. Would have never thought it. Woo! <laughs> and just did the, uh, what is it, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard? Mm-hmm. Yep. That was probably filmed last year, so probably about 71-ish, maybe 72 then, so when they filmed it, depending on how long it's been since they filmed it. Right. I mean, if they filmed it in 19, he would still have been 70, so... <laughs> Just crazy, this man. Absolutely, but so, yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm, I at this point, I'm just hoping, and I'm. I have faith 
that the story is going to be what I like more than anything yeah. in Shang-Chi. I'm going to, because the MCU has been proving to, to be at, like at worst is fine. And at best is one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire life. So um, as long as it falls somewhere in there, I'm going to be fine with Shang-Chi, but I'm also not expecting it to be my favorite movie of the MCU either. Yeah, I, I, the MCU movies are in a weird place right now because they're literally kind of coming off of the reboot of, you know, Endgame and also COVID. Because a lot of the stuff we were getting, we were supposed to have gotten it last year. Reboot? Well, no, I didn't say reboot. Kind of a restart, more like. You said reboot. I did? Okay, it's more like a restart. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know where. <laughs> we're, all saying weird we're all using weird words today. Uh, it's nothing. <laughs> but um, it's, it's kind of a restart, if you will, after Endgame. Because even though we've had the TV shows, we've already been told by Kevin Feige that the TV shows, while they have stuff that will correlate with the movies, it's not necessarily directly correlated with the movies. So you don't have to have seen the series, the TV series, in order to actually um, mm-hmm. get into the uh, movies. Well, yeah, I suppose that's what we're getting with uh, stuff like Loki. You don't need to necessarily know how the multiverse kicked off, but Loki's going to explain to you how the multiverse kicked off. Yeah. Oh, I'm just having such a good time with with the smart, slow introduction of things. In the greater narrative. I love it. And I know several people are complaining about Loki. They feel like it's too talky. I'm like, but that's Loki. That's literally Loki. Like, Loki isn't going to sit there and go into a brawl with somebody. Can you guys believe that Loki's a frost giant? (laughs) (laughs) So, huge revelations there. So, sorry for dropping that knowledge bomb on you. Yeah, that um, that got dropped back in Thor. (laughs) Oh, uh, one more thing before uh, we eventually take a break and get on to the meat and potatoes of today's episode. Mm -hmm. Um, The Ten Rings. Yes. I, uh, being an Iron Man fan that I am, already knew about the Mandarin and what happened with Iron Man 3, and we already discussed, like, reception of that. But, since we're getting the proper Mandarin and the proper Ten Rings, it's interesting to me to see that they're much larger bands. And, I mean, they're still the Ten Rings, but it looks like the Ten Rings don't really function as individual parts with right. individual powers so much as they all operate as a singular unit of the Ten Rings yeah. to be the weapon of the Ten Rings. So that's an interesting little uh, reimagining on that. Uh, I was talking with Jingles about it, and I wanted to see what you thought about it too, Will. Um, I thought it was an interesting new take, and I believe, bro, you were saying that you know, you're not uh, 100% on it. Well, I... I'm I'm fine with the decision to do it. Yeah. I just would have hugely would have preferred if it would have been finger rings. Yeah. 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 Because I like that and I yeah. feel like 
I feel like there's a money-making opportunity that uh, Disney's going to be missing out on by not selling each individual ring. Oh, dude. <laughs> or, or the Mandarin box set. Mm. Oh, man. I remember when HeroClix was in one of the big heydays, one of the, uh, and it's still out there, they're still doing awesome stuff with it, but I just haven't been able to play it in a while. Uh, but, for example, they did a whole thing where they did the rings of the Mandarin. And each ring had one of the powers or whatever. And then you could equip it to people. Or, but if you had the whole set of the rings, you could equip the rings at a super inflated cost of the character, of course. And then they would do have access to different powers throughout the course of the deal where... And I just thought that was an interesting thing. So when you look at it from a sales standpoint, it's like, which is going to be easier to promote? A box or a set of 10 rings you can wear on your arms? I mean, sure, there's going to be a Halloween costume out there, and kids are going to love, I'm sure. But the other side of it would be, you know, or a box of rings that a kid can wear. Mm-hmm. And as, as well as I'm just not a bracelets guy. I'm not, I, I'm not big on wearing things on my wrist, but... You know, well, that, that's a personal thing. On, yeah, those things are on their arms, too. That's what the crazy part is about it. Yeah. But, it's I like mean, you can see the, the the clips where I guess they're not activated, so they're just kind of, like, hanging around on his on his wrists. On and, his forearms, yeah. Yeah, but, like, like hanging down, and they're not, like... You can see that they... Oh, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. they activate, and they go up the arm a little bit and spread out oh my gosh. across the forearm. And then when they're off, they just kind of fall I down on his wrist. I just had a thought yeah. about the ten oh. rings, mm-hmm. about them looking the way that they do. Mm-hmm. You guys, now I know this is, I'm not talking about this being a direct reference to this thing, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about the concept of the weapon. Um, you guys remember uh, steel rings being used as weapons yes. in Chinese martial yeah, I'm arts? I'm pretty sure that yeah, that's but that's the idea. inspiration for it. I mean, Obviously, you look at, for example, yeah, Kung Fu Hustle. That's that the whole thing. Kung Fu Hustle. One of I would, mm, Will. You know, it'd be yes. nice if uh, if my brother could finish his thought. <sighs> I'm sorry, I was just adding to it. I'm sorry. You Go got ahead. too excited, Will. I was gonna say the most popular example is Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> Yes, brother. Mm. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> Never mind. Um, I posted a picture of the actual ten rings from yes, the comics. I see it. They look really cool. I would, would bling up on that. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to point out, I was looking at the forums, and I believe, and I could be mistaken, but he's only got five rings on his right arm and nothing on his left arm. Mm. just wanted to point that out don't know how significant that is but it was something that I, I was all like hey hold on a second there's only five right now I wonder if the other five are need to be acquired are somehow. the quest the great and noble quest could be and that's maybe how um, yeah. within the trailer there's that moment where uh, you see Shang-Chi fighting his father with the bands of a different color mm-hmm and perhaps if he gets the other five, that's why they, you know, that's why that balance and such comes in. Yep. 
So well, there you go. It could be something. I apologize. I didn't mean to take your take your uh, take your reference there. It's Not already it. gone. We can't go back in time. Or can but, we? Well, we can't. Or can we? We can't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Only in the Huey Lewis song. And uh, well, that and um, well, no, she just talks about going back in time, Cher. Oh yeah. She doesn't actually go back in time. She talks about if I could go, if I could turn back time. Probably a good time for a break. What do you think, Will? Yes, I did think it's time for a break. Uh, So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Cartoon Network and some interesting decisions as it relates to cartoons and. Who should they be aiming their cartoons for and how they affect at least one really awesome cartoon that was all on their network and how they may affect others in the future. We'll come back in just a minute, guys. All right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about Cartoon Network and their decision to kind of change their cartoons entry points. Uh, now, the reason this is kind of interesting to me was because I got into a show. I'm on a last of a free trial for HBO Max, and so um, so they have a show on their deal. It's called Infinity Train, and apparently it was on Cartoon Network, and then uh, HBO Max picked it up and finished the, finished out a bunch of it. But Cartoon Network got rid of it shortly, and then they're going to talk about the reason why. So first things first, we'll talk a little bit about, I'm going to summarize the article. Uh, basically, they talked about the fact that they were supposed to be doing a book five, which they did their episode, they did their seasons kind of like Avatar did, where it was uh, books instead of uh, chapters or whatever, or episodes or something like that. So each book dealt with a different person. And so that's one of the reasons why they did it that way, because there are different people that were affected by the Infinity Train. And so that was kind of their way of dealing with it, and so they took books and did it that way. Well, with the show, uh, basically, Infinity Train, the best way to describe it is, it's Twilight Zone uh, for, like, teenagers in, a car, in an animated world. Uh, that involves literally a train that has different dimensions on each train car. So it's a very unique concept, and um, but Cartoon Network said that they, they they didn't feel like it had a child injury point. So uh, the creator Owen Dennis said that Cartoon Network rejected a completed script for the Infinity Train Book Five movie because it lacked it because it focused on Amelia, an adult character, and lacked a child entry point. The news has left a lot of the Infinity Train fans both frustrated and confused. Cartoon Network had plenty of successful shows with adult characters over the years, including Samurai, everything from Samurai Jack to regular show. Uh, so if the current management rejected Infinity Train Book 5, it makes no wonder that they rejected other shows if they were pitched today. According to a Twitter thread by Kelly Turnbull, a storyboard artist who worked for Cartoon Network on the 2016 Ben 10 reboot, the answer is yes. The standards of Cartoon Network and most of the children's animation studios follow have grown more restricted and an increased focus on preschool-friendly programming that would ironically have killed many of the popular cartoons if they were being pitched today. The list of those cartoons include SpongeBob SquarePants, Regular Show, G.I. Joe, Looney Tunes, Angry Beavers, Rocco's Modern Life, Cat Dog, 
Ren and Stimpy, and Garfield and Friends. Rugrats would have had the opposite problem. While studios don't want shows with protagonists way older than the target audience, they also don't want protagonists younger than the demographic either. Villain protagonists such as Pinky in the Brain or Invader Zim are currently considered the most off-limits due to the fears of in imitatable behavior. And so they said other animation studios have also shifted to the Cartoon Network standard uh, as far as they want stuff that has strictly comedy. They said that it was amazing how they got Steven Universe pitched because of the fact that with the first season it was a lot lighter, but the complex themes and thought processes of the shows beyond the first season were harder to deal with. It wouldn't work today in today's environment for cartoons. So they talk about spin-offs. Uh, they also talk about um, already established talent also seems to get some leeway. With the example, Gindy Tanakoski can pitch a more serious action show to Cartoon Network and it still get greenlit. But for new ideas, for new creators, things are a little bit more restrictive, even at a major, even at major kid, no, even at major children's networks. So I always want to jaw's thoughts on that as it relates to kind of looking at shows that are out there today versus shows that would have been successful. Yeah, but that's the that's the thing, man. It's like it messes with me to think about the fact that you look at a show like Ren and Stimpy. I understand why Ren and Stimpy, but I mean, you look at shows, for example, like. Looney Tunes, you know things like that, and you say, "Well, it 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 it's it doesn't have a good child entry point," mm -hmm. and so it just feels a little bit uh, less than it could be. Yeah, I think. Um, Let the attack begin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's really dumb. Um. Because there's clearly, all, as mentioned in the article, there's just a huge swath of shows that, according to what they have uh, said, would not work, according to them. But are obviously, or were, uh, if they're still running, um, absurdly popular shows anyway. So it's like, what are you, what are you guys even talking about? You guys are you guys are really dumb. Um, and so yeah, it's just it's one of those things, man. You just executives are gonna say some dumb stuff sometimes, and um, yeah, it's just I think it's hilarious uh, and dumb. I don't I don't have like a ton to say about it because as far as I know, this is mostly a Cartoon Network problem, and Cartoon Network to me has always uh, put forth a show that I think is really good and then puts out like two shows that I think are kind of trash and then they keep going back and forth with that and so um, as I mentioned before we started recording for every say Steven Universe that's out there um, there's also like a Clarence and an Uncle Grandpa that gets made so um and maybe those other shows might appeal to a young audience, but I don't know because, um, like, I don't I don't watch those shows because they're dumb. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it's it's hard to say because then like, 
there would be like the um, He-Man reboot, I guess, wouldn't work because He-Man's an adult. And, and no child entry. Yeah, there's no there's no child entry there. Um, and I mean, like there was older shows that would create like kid characters, so that I guess that is the entry point. But more often than not, a lot of people will not be fond of those kid characters that are made. You telling me that Wiley Kit and Wiley Cat were not created with the narrative in mind? I mean, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. But hey, I, I wasn't. They were, I think they would have been in the original show, but I think by the time you get to the reboot. I don't think they would have been because they were definitely more like teenagers at that point. Mm-hmm. They played them more as teens. They didn't play them as children. Yeah. So if you say the idea is lack of child entry, you know, how's that work? I'll yeah. tell you how it works. I'll tell you how it works. <laughs> what you got to do is that you got to get the children sprinkles on that stuff. Get it on the machine of man, the children's sprinkles, and then just make it out and churn it out. Churn it out until it screams. And when it screams, it screams, Good morning! <laughs> but you think about it, like, they're like, well, Spongebob wouldn't have worked. It's like, if Spongebob doesn't work, does anything else really work? I don't know, man. It's It's weird to think about because... Anytime I hear about a studio, oh gosh, uh, well, did the, I, I might have missed it, but did the article say how recent this trend has been begin, has been going with Cartoon Network? Well, let's look at when it was written. Let's start with that. Well, okay, and because I'm thinking, uh, this is May three, two thousand twenty-one. Okay, so it's this still is very recent. Old. Yeah, I, I, I get that, and. Uh, I feel like this trend has been going on before that. Well, um, and I say that because the, the, the I do know I did look up more, and the uh, Infinity Train ended in, in early 2021. The fourth season ended in early 2021. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, they the people pitched it. I think they pitched it after season four dropped. They were like, well, let's see if we can get because this was supposed to be a movie. The book five was supposed to be a film that was done through Cartoon Network. See, so, you now they do their big, you know, movie stuff and mm-hmm. things. So that was that was the thing it was supposed to be, but then I guess they decided not to do it because they didn't feel like it was it, it didn't have a child entry point. Which, I mean, in all earnest, if they of course again it's a script. I mean, I guess, you know, it, it would take a while to rewrite it. But I would think the way you could do it was you could just be like, okay, so we need a, in other words, one of the characters needs to have a kid. And that kid becomes the person that gets trapped on the, like, I don't know. Because the thing about it is, is that each season there was somebody that was on the Infinity Trade and there's a counter that appears on their hands the moment they get in. And so you have to get your counter to zero out. And once you get your counter to zero out, then you have an opportunity to return back to home, wherever home was for you. But you have to go through whatever stuff you're trying to go through in life to get your stuff together, basically, while you're on Infinity Trade. 
that's why I said it's kind of like it, it kind of to me it feels like a bit of like Fantasy Island where you're supposed to learn something from the experience. The actual writers actually said they described it as more like Saw, but for kids. Which I'm kind of like, I don't know how that would work if you pitch that that way, but I, okay. I wouldn't want to pitch that. Maybe Saw would. But um, what I want to focus on is this philosophy of tightening up creatively on people pitching new ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... I think about older Cartoon Network, and I can't remember if I can't remember if it was like a conversation we had with someone, or another podcast that we were on. But I brought up Ed, Ed, Nettie, and Ed, Ed, Nettie. Episode of our podcast, I think. Thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, and I mentioned that it was a niche show, which it which it was, and I don't know if it would fly right now but it was so good on how it balanced out its comedy because when we were kids we were having a great time and i've read uh, and i haven't i regrettably haven't had a chance to watch too much of it all over again especially considering the existential crisis that people are finding that the show was back then I was recently talking with Roscoe's sister, and she was saying that there are great adult jokes in in it. And um, I wonder if even that would have made it through. Um, it's sad to think about how free Cartoon Network used to be and how much more restrictive it is now. Mm-hmm. Well, I, mean, I think I just saw news the other day where they were talking about bringing back Toonami. Like, how do you bring back Toonami? I mean, and not... How do you bring back Toonami as a separate thing again with all these weird problems that you're having as a network right now? We're trying to figure out what kind of animation you're going to do. Because, I mean, animation... I mean, it, it almost feels like, if we're not careful, that basically it's like... You know, Demon Slayer kind of has... Again, Demon Slayer doesn't really have a childhood point because it's not really designed for kids. But, like, the reason why anime and manga are doing so well, I feel like it's because the stories are things you can suck you in pretty quick. Whereas I feel like with some of this stuff... Huh? I was just going to say, and typically there's just way more freedom. That's the thing. When... I feel like restrictions can be both good and bad. It all depends on the thing that you're working with. Because Batman the Animated Series had a lot of restrictions, but it still shines because they Mm -hmm. were able to think creatively about how to implement those restrictions. And I also think that it's really important that people have a lot of creative freedom. And I feel like if restrictions are in place, they should more or less be self-imposed restrictions. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it talks about in industry terms, there are three main demographic ages for children's animation, 2 to 5, 6 to 11, and 9 to 14. Most of the kids' cartoons older viewers care about would be considered for the 9 to 14 demographic, 
Cartoon Network used to be friendly to the nine to fourteen demographic, more friendly than more friendly than other cable networks, but it's now mostly stopped and is insisting to try to expand its preschool programming while keeping its six to eleven shows safe for even younger viewers, demanding formulaic play patterns for merchandising purposes. So again, there's that other word. How can we make this toyetic? How can we mm-hmm. sell stuff off of it? That kids want their parents to buy. Kind of reminds me of early YouTube versus current YouTube. Yep. Kind of, yeah. It's like, we love this thing about YouTube. You get to express yourself. And then later it's become more like, how can we get more venture capitalists involved in this? How can we make this even bigger for our pocketbooks? You know, and, and, and then also you have the people who are, you know, YouTube famous who are, you know, going around doing their things and all that. And it's just like, yeah, we're YouTube famous, but people love us. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it doesn't matter what we do on the platform. It doesn't matter what kind of destructive tactics and things we do on the platform. As long as, you know, we end up, you know, getting, get that bag at the end of the day. Yeah, as long as we get that bag, that's all that counts. You know. And it just it just it's it's an odd thing, man. It really is. Very odd thing. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, you look at cartoons, it's like the reason why there's so many cartoons I enjoy from back in the day, yeah, some of them are silly. And yeah, some of them don't hold up. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, I found Silverhawks on a streaming app the other day and I looked at it, it's like, wow, that really doesn't hold up compared to what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Like this idea of these futuristic space cowboys, basically, but doesn't really hold up well. Still, I loved it when I was a kid. That <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, was great, you know. Not so much now, <laughs> but that's just the way it was. But it's like there's so many things out there that you look at, you know, you know, and you look at stuff like Looney Tunes. You look at stuff like um, the Flintstones, even. You yeah. look at all these things, you're just sitting there going like, so how would that work? If if this wouldn't work, how would this work? Would this work? Would this work? You know? I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just odd. And I mm-hmm. mean, if that's the trend, that's the trend. So, I mean, you know, if we ever want to pitch Atomic Derby as an animated cartoon, you're definitely going to want to pitch that to, you know, you're either going to have to pitch it to a whole different group of people like Netflix, or you're going to have to give one of the girls a sister a sassy sister with all the funny lines. Mm-hmm. You know, so that way it works. And that way you get... Get, get you all that cartoon money. Get you that cartoon money. I was uh, I was looking it up uh, because I was like, with, with those uh, restrictions that they were setting forth in that, uh, that thing that was posted, um, how was Mighty Magiswords like a thing on Cartoon Network. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I looked it up and Mighty Magiswords uh, ran from uh, 2016 to 2019. Uh, really? Three years? I'm yeah. impressed. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, it only had two seasons, but there was like the pilot and then like season yeah. one. And then it took a while for season two to come out. And anyway, but like the main characters are adults. There's like no kids in that show. No. With like few exceptions. And and they're running around with swords. Yeah. <laughs> Admittedly, they're like goofy magic, goofy magic swords. Yeah. But 
you know. Um, right. It's just like, okay, so that was a show, but you're like, you're not cool with Infinity Train. To which I, I think, um, and this is just speculation, but what it's what it feels like is that they didn't want to back um, Infinity Train because of whatever reason they didn't think it was going to be successful or whatever for whatever reason they didn't want to do it and so um that's why they stopped um and and people were like well what's your excuse this was clearly a really good show and they're like oh it's uh we no child entry points mm. and uh, uh we don't want kids doing dangerous stuff even though like adventure time is a kid going around in like you know <laughs> going into dark caves and dungeons and fighting evil monsters and there's a lich wearing a person's like skin for yep. half of a season and you know it's whatever yeah i get it no it's fine yeah no child entry point don't want kids doing anything dangerous got it <laughs> got it i just i don't know man it just it it feels like they they it, it, and you're right it kind of feels like they needed a reason to, to not get behind this show. So like, well, no 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 child entry point. There's no kids in it. Because like I said, it seems like to me that's a rewrite. That's a that's a okay, can we get a kid in here somehow that we can like if kids watch this movie, they can see themselves in it. Can we get a kid in there somehow? And like I said, it could have been a younger sister. It could have been a little bit it could have been a baby or something. And I don't know. I just I, I see things like that, and it kind of it kind of breaks my heart because I sit there and think about stuff like, you know, people that create stuff, and you want to see them do well. You want to see something come out of that eventually one day, maybe. And then you realize more than likely the way cartoons are shifting, it, it's not going to be on Cartoon Network, and there'll be a, some animation studios that aren't going to do it. And then you got places like Cartoon Network that keep rocking out Castlevania, you know. They're definitely not looking at a kid entry, a kid level entry point. No, well, Castlevania is not meant for kids. Not that's, at all. That's not the target audience. You know, and that's the thing, and that's why I feel that's why maybe that's the whole thing too. They're looking at it for major cartoon people that do mainline stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know that everybody like Netflix definitely ain't doing just mainline stuff themselves. I mean, they're definitely doing some things that are. A little counterculture there, so it'll be yeah. interesting to see how that works. Isn't yeah, it, it depends hugely on the target audience as well. So, like, if if there's going to be a show that's meant for adults, then obviously kids are not the the worry there. But once again, Netflix isn't Cartoon Network, so. Right. And as we said, it, it seems mostly Cartoon Network is having this problem. And if we just look at the programming that Cartoon Network has done, it starts to not make sense mm -hmm. from its own standpoint. So, yeah, that's why I feel like I, I feel like they've been dishonest. But what do I know? What do we know? I write comics. <laughs> But, you know, and that's the thing you got to think about, you know, as a creative person, you never know. I mean, the day may come where you may have something that you can turn into a cartoon property that'd be epically awesome. And then, you know, you're looking at it and you're just like, hmm, I want to create a pitch. 
how do I create a pitch for this? It's like, well, you can create the pitch, but just be aware that unless it has a child point, you're not going to be pitching it at the Cartoon Network. <laughs> if you do, you're not going to pitch it very successfully. To them. Once again, I feel like that wasn't the real problem. I feel like, I feel like, and this is this is just a speculation thing. I feel like very soon they might start premiering a show that doesn't coincide with what we just read. And in which case, uh, we'll, we'll be all like, hmm, I guess not, huh? <laughs> but I don't know. And plus, I, I've never been super attached to Cartoon Network because it was always like an extra channel that we needed to pay for. So when we did have cable growing up, we didn't get to watch Cartoon Network. Um, because we couldn't afford it as a family. Um, and so um, it was mostly, mostly Nickelodeon and Disney Channel that we would watch growing up. And so that's why Disney Afternoon is, like, way bigger in my heart than, like, anything Cartoon Network had ever put out by that point. Um, that stuff was really good. Yeah. And so... I mean, some of the stuff, like, I mean, you think about, like, Tailspin and stuff like that, there's still some of that stuff that holds up really well. Yes. Specifically, the original DuckTales is where, uh, is that I've seen recently that I'm like, this is still really good. Um, and then, obviously, the I've, I've praised the reboot too much, um, so I, I won't go into that again. <laughs> But yeah, um, I think Cartoon Network is being dumb. And I, I, I do feel like they're going to back down from it. Uh, if not really soon, not too long after that. But we'll, well see. And I mean, the thing about it is, too, Ty Warner can come in there and be like, you know what? Nah, you're doing stuff that grows up with people. Because I think that's the thing that was interesting about Ben 10. Mm-hmm. Um, Ben 10 was a uh, cartoon that they kind of literally made to kind of grow up with people. Um, and so it's one of those things where you had Ben 10 and then he got older and you kind of watched the show and they did new seasons based on Ben getting older. And so the threats got more involved. And so over time, you know, it was kind of doing its thing. I thought that was really interesting. But, you know, you see that you don't necessarily know that you're going to see that now. Uh, I will say one thing as well about Infinity Train. Ernie Hudson. Uh, I didn't realize it was him at first. I'm sitting there going, kind of could sound like that's Kevin Richardson, but it doesn't sound quite as gravelly as Kevin Richardson's voice can sound. And I was like, who's playing the freaking dog? And then, like, watch the credits for the first scene where he shows up in it. And I'm like, that's Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters? Mm-hmm. What? I didn't know he was doing voice acting. That's so cool. I didn't know he was doing anything at all, except for breathing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he 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 plays one of the he plays one of the care one of the bigger characters in season one of Infinity Train. And the beautiful thing about Infinity Train is, I think the longest episode is like thirteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Also, the episodes are like twelve minutes in pace. So I mean, you can get through a whole season in less than an afternoon. So, but I mean, it's got people like the voice actor Ashley Johnson from Critical Role, uh, Jeremy Crutchley, Owen Dennis, Ernie Hudson, Kate Mulgray, uh, Lena Hetty, 
I guess that day she did not wake up and choose violence. Uh, hmm. And a whole bunch of other like voice actors, Johnny Young, uh, and a whole bunch of other voice actresses and things like that, actors and stuff. But yeah, so it, it, Infinity Train, I think right now one of the only ways to watch it is via HBO Max. You watch all four seasons. If you have HBO Max, go watch it. Go check it out. Uh, I'm sure there are clips on YouTube, different things like that. Somebody may have streamed the whole thing. You never know. Like I said, there's only 12-minute episodes. Mm -hmm. It's possible. But, yeah, I just wanted y'all's thoughts on that. Because, like I said, again, in the world of people thinking about cartoons and pitching cartoon ideas, it's like it's getting a lot more crazy to try to pitch that stuff now. You know, it's yep. just a weird situation all the way around. So thank It'd you guys like for weighing if, in on that for me. I feel like if Image started getting more restrictive with its uh, creative standards, yeah, that would be that would be weird too. Because then you know you go in and you're, you know, you're creating comics, and it's like, okay. Um, I'm gonna get you know. I'm gonna create this comic book. And it's gonna be awesome, and we're gonna do all these awesome things. And it's like, okay. And so you pitch the idea, the image, and they're like, okay. Well, because like for example, one of the big things is that they usually want you to have a whole arc of the story done before you pitch it. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want you to pitch like one issue. Like Marvel will be like, pitch us an issue. Or DC will be like, pitch us an issue. And but whereas image is like, pitch us a series. Basically, pitch us enough so where we can put it in a trade. And let's see how it works. And that's kind of how they go with it, because they want you, they want to see that you're dedicated to finishing the whole thing out. Which that makes sense to me. You know, and you're just sitting there kind of going like, okay. So now that you've done that, now what? But if they came out and was like, nah, you're not going to just do that. You're going to have to pitch a series. You're going to be able to pitch enough to have three whole entire blocks of it out. It's like, well, what if it doesn't take off like Invincible, for example? You know, we can't guarantee this is going to work. Like, we could do one, and if it works, we'll continue it. Now, now you got to be able to pitch three, because everything we've done, and, and I know for a fact everything Image has done lately hasn't done that. Murder Falcon is a good case of that. Murder Falcon literally was only one volume, and they didn't do any more since then. But they've done recent more series and series like that, where it didn't sell well. But I only did that one block, and that was it. You know, and I'm just sitting there going like, okay, well, you know, that's the thing, though. Some stuff hits once, and that's it, and that's fine. But, you know, you can't get mad if, you know, you go out and plan something, and it becomes the biggest thing ever, and it blows up, you know. But you can't demand that somebody have six whole entire trades in the bag, basically. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where I feel like the, the, the thing is. You got to be able to get your, you got to be able to get your stuff out there, but you got to be able to know that you got enough people that are going to do it to where they're going to want you to, they're going to want you to continue. I mean, Invincible is a is a weird case where like they built a really good story. Kirkman did a really good story, and it had really killer art to go with it. Uh, and then you go on. I mean, yeah, I think we've talked about individually Slam, uh, which is a roller derby type comic. Uh, that Boom did. I think they only did like two volumes of it. I think that's the most they did because the second volume didn't sell as well. They just stopped. You know, after after the second volume, they're like, okay, well, as you write this one, you know, write 
Uh, and, and the idea, too, I think Rob Liefeld has said this recently. He said, you never want to leave somebody on a cliffhanger in a series because you don't know if you're going to be able to pick up for the next season. So you never want to write as though you're writing guaranteed to have another season after it. He said, think about it like, uh, I, I can't remember the name of the show he mentioned. It was a sci-fi network show, and Big Bang Theory made fun of this, um, where they wrote, they let, they had two seasons, and they left on this huge cliffhanger, and then the show, the show didn't get re-signed. Alphas. That's the show. So they did that, and people got upset because they were like, wait, we're not going to get to find out what happened? How it finished, and I don't think they ever did. Like they never did a movie, they never did anything to wrap it up. And so that's where Rob Liefeld came back in. It's pretty much just like always write finite stories, mm-hmm. to where even if nothing else ever gets picked up, you still feel like you've told, you've completed a thought, you started and completed a thought. And so that's that, that's the whole thing. So yeah, and that's where I'm gonna wrap this up at. Unless you guys got anything else to say about. It. No, sounds good to me. I'm gonna check something really quick because I think I remember something. Okay. Oh sure. Well, think... just looking at up. You Spider. made me think of something. Yes. What 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 you think about that cool moment in the Shang Chi trailer, where Aquafina looks at him and goes, "Hey, it's okay. You got this." He's just like, "Okay, thanks." I think I expressed our, like my feelings on that part of the trailer. It was what I was excited about. Uncle Finn, just Uncle Finn being the the, uh, the very ever supportive friend. Aquafina, she's gonna carry that comedy on her back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I don't like think somebody got to do it. Somebody's got to be the funny person, and I'm gonna be. I I don't know what a what what it is about Aquafina's voice. But it sounds like she's constantly just got done screaming. And I love it. I don't know what it is, but there's something about like a fun-loving woman with a slightly raspy voice that I really like. Um, I think I found out what I was looking for. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in On Big Bang Theory, Season 3, Episode 22... There was a flashback in which Sheldon and Leonard were working on their roommate agreement. In the television and movie sections, Sheldon decrees that their Friday night shall be spent watching Firefly, assuming it'll be on for years. That's right. That's right. It was Firefly. <laughs> so it was Firefly that they were like, man, yeah. this is going to this is going to last for, for seasons and seasons. But it didn't even finish its first season on TV before it was canceled. There was also an episode dealing with the Alphas, too. Yep. Sheldon so. mentions that the movie Serenity uh, Serenity was made to wrap up Firefly as he protests the cancellation of Alphas. Yeah. So, yeah. That was uh, season six, episode 21. Mm-hmm. So, the closer yeah. alternative. Yeah, because he started calling in the Sci-Fi Network to complain. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. you know, always write your stories to finish it. Don't don't write them believing there's gonna be a sequel because you never know when when there will be. Who knows? Who knows? All right. You got all the hope there is. So 
guys, thank you so much for jumping in with me on this. I greatly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so next week, another great uh, Mida Roscoe representative. Uh, Spike, Spike, uh, okay, I can talk. I really can. I assure another, the you that he can. Mida Roscoe idea. Uh, martial arts movies. In honor of Shang-Chi and different things like that, we're going to talk martial arts. We're going to talk about martial arts movies you love. You know, perhaps some different scenes, maybe, that we love in different movies. Uh, the evolution of the martial arts film, you know, and you know, influences that I'm sure that we'll see in uh, Shang-Chi highly referenced at different points. So, we will see. That, that is the idea going forward. So we know there's no fear in the dojo, and I know there's no fear in the Rascal Bros. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. As always, I greatly appreciate your input and uh, your sound, sound knowledge of things. So even if we, even if sometimes I tend to interrupt you unintentionally, I do apologize for that. Because I don't know. Yeah, it's it's cool. All you got to do is just uh, wait for us to finish our thoughts, maybe. <laughs> Take a bit more of a breath. I honestly say I feel like sometimes if I don't say it at the moment, that I'll forget it. And then oh by God. the time I would have the time not to say it, the time to say it, I won't say it because I won't remember it anymore. But that doesn't. that's not an excuse. I get that. And uh, at this point, it's kind of a trope that in podcasts, people always interrupt each other with their own points. Yep. And there that is. So, ladies and gentlemen, you've just joined us for another conversation about dot, dot, dot. We've got to fill in the talk about, fill in the blank with talk about animation and cartoon pitching and all that fun stuff. And audiences and Shang-Chi trailer and Suicide Squad trailer and stuff that kind of makes us go... Um, as far as Marvel goes, as far as She-Hulk, and as far as um, the people at Netflix deciding to take uh, Ang, if they pronounce Ang's name right in this one, uh, to school. To, to school, along with the rest of his compatriots. And I noticed Toph was not mentioned in that article, so 0 out of 10. You know, just because I... Because, it's because if you're doing a series, you, you gotta mention Toph at some point. Maybe they'll wait because Toph wasn't really a thing until season two, remember? I know that. But again, you're talking about a show. You're not talking about a movie. You're talking about a show with seasons, yeah. hopefully. So maybe well, we I don't know how many seasons that. they have planned. Well, I mean, there again, that's true. I mean, again, it does feel like, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender Evolution. So you never know. I wish I mean, you wouldn't say that. Look, I, wish you, I wish you wouldn't remind me of that. Stuff. That they did in Dragon Ball Evolution. They put Goku in high school. I watched the movie, Will. We saw the movie, Will. I'm just saying. It feels like... Will, (laughs) when when Jingle says, I wish you wouldn't say that, that's not your opportunity to to jump in and say, say let me tell (laughs) you why I said that and why it's going to (laughs) suck as I say it to you again. Let me reiterate the thing you asked me not to talk about. (laughs) Let me actually go into detail and explain the thing that you didn't want to (laughs) hear. So I won't say that again. 
<laughs> I like uh, this guy. I like I like this guy. Will we should keep him? We should we should keep him around. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, all I just thank you again for joining us for another episode of Conversations about dot 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 and above all else. Do my finger. Be blessed. Be blessed. Somebody, God, take care.